This podcast contains strong language. Younger viewer discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special Valentine's Day-themed episode of Nerds Incorporated. We've got an amazing show for you today. I talk with the Senior Creative Director of Meow Wolf, Janelle Holstetter, about her first year at Meow Wolf and our career as a whole. Later on, I'll be chatting with my good friend Trevor about episodes 4, 5, and 6 of Marvel's WandaVision. So, turn on those time circuits, grab your Infinity Stones, and prepare to make the jump to light speed, because this is Nerds Incorporated. Stay tuned, guys. Hey, guys. It's really good to be back into the swing of things when it comes to uploading new episodes. The more I write and post, the more ambitious I want to be with the show. I have some really great ideas I want to see come to life for this thing. I've even reached out to some bigger names to star on episodes. It's all just so... What's the word I'm looking for here? Surreal. It's very surreal, having the chance to talk to your heroes. I mean, I'm not, I know I'm not talking to some big Hollywood name, but it's still quite an honor. It's not every day you get to talk with a senior creative director of one of your favorite attractions. But, you know, enough about all that, though. You'll see that later in the episode. Let's get right into this section of the episode. Today, we've got some pretty controversial headlines, and some that are a little less political. Starting off with some nerd news, Gina Carano has been fired from her role as Cara Dune on the hit television show on Disney+, Plus, The Mandalorian. A statement from Lucasfilm on the matter is as follows. Quote, Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm, and there are no other plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable, end quote. The posts saw Carano comparing Republicans of today to the Jewish peoples of the Holocaust during World War II. How those two are connected is completely beyond me, but Carano attempted to compare the two groups by saying both are being ostracized for their beliefs. Although one is religious and the other political, Carano still attempted to plead her case. Oh boy. Along with other posts which we won't get into right now, we won't dive into them, Lucasfilm and Disney saw the only viable action in this situation was to let her go. Personally, I enjoyed Cara Dune as a character, and I'm quite sad to see her go. She was pretty badass, if you ask me. <sighs> However, you cannot compare the plight of Jewish people of yesteryear to Republicans of today. That's just insane. I mean, this is in no way a political podcast, by any means, but nevertheless, it's still classified as nerd news. And there we have it for the controversial headline. <laughs> Moving onward to somewhere somewhere more lighthearted. It's been reported that Justice League star Jason Momoa has been offered the role of Knuckles the Echidna in the sequel to the live-action Sonic... Sonic. Sonic. Oh boy, it's like Sonic Spinach. <laughs> The live-action Sonic the Hedgehog film. The original film starred the amazing comedian Ben Schwartz as the lovable blue blur and teased Tails the Fox in a mid-credits scene, which was a surefire sign of a sequel. According to the Illuminati website, yes, you heard me right, Illuminati. It's not just some derp take on the Illuminati, it's the Illuminati. It's spelled like Illuminati, but they replaced naughty with nerd. You, you get what I'm saying here. That website said that they say Momoa was approached by Paramount 
to see if he was interested, and now the ball is completely in his court. No other updates have been released on that, but Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is scheduled for a release on April 8th, 2022. One final headline we've got for you guys today is that Mindy Kaling, Kaling? I hope I'm saying that right, is set to lead a new adult animated Scooby-Doo prequel all about the brains of the Mystery Inc. gang, Velma Dinkley. According to ComicBookMovie.com, the show is pitched as an original and humorous spin that unmasks the complex and colorful past of one of America's most beloved mystery solvers, and recognize her as the unsung and underappreciated Brangs. Brangs. Oh my god. I I swear to god, if I get more listeners, I swear there are going to be memes made about all my mess-ups. Uh, underappreciated Brains of the Scooby Gang. Personally, I think Shaggy and Scooby deserve more spotlight because, come on, they're everyone's favorites. However, I am incredibly interested in seeing how this sort of thing, this series, plays out and how it exactly earns its adult rating because it does say it's going to be an adult animated show. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. That's going to do it for today's nerd news segment, and without further ado... I think we should introduce our special guest for this episode. I had a blast interviewing her. All the way from Santa Fe, California, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Janelle Hochstetter, Senior Creative Director of Meow Wolf. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Janelle, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing very well, thank you. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Wow, this is new for me. It is interesting. <laughs> You've never done a podcast before? No. <laughs> wow, all right. Well, I figured someone of your importance in uh, the world of Meow Wolf would, would have had some kind of experience with the media, but eh, it's a first time for everyone. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd be talking to a senior creative director before. It's definitely a position that I've thought about for my entire high school career as uh, a career that I'd want in my future, but here I am talking to one. <laughs> hey, this is creative work too. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so to begin, for the folks who don't know, or the folks at home who don't know, what is Meow Wolf? What is your mission? Ooh, Meow Wolf is an art experience in exhibition that borderlines themed entertainment, like, you know, like amusement parks. Uh, but yeah, it's an art experience that was uh, brought to life by a collective of artists in Santa Fe. Um, they saw that the arts market here in Santa Fe didn't really, you know, have space for the type of art that they wanted to create. So they all banded together and created it for themselves. Um, so it's it's pretty remarkable that they were all able to, you know, it's over over 20 artists. Like, I mean, it's an arts collective from the beginning um, that they all got together and decided, hey, we're going to we're going to make the space for ourselves. They started off doing parties, um, doing a little theater, doing some. But the House of Eternal Return, which is the exhibition that that exists in Santa Fe right now, um, has been around for nearly five years. Five years. Yeah, it's, like it's March. <laughs> March, my God. <laughs> I've been following Meow Wolf for the longest time, and it seems like so much longer. But how long have you been with Meow Wolf? Uh, just a little over a year. I started in December 2019. Oh, 
it must be a bit difficult to work through a pandemic along with this sort of this uh, sort of company because you guys are expecting people to show up, but with COVID-19, it might be a little harder. Am I right to assume that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes it harder to collaborate because, I mean, in collaboration, it, it means being together, right? Being together with multiple people. Um, so we had to find new and different ways to collaborate uh, safely. Uh, luckily, I was able to stay busy during the COVID time. The Santa Fe exhibition has a lot of different upgrades um, that happened while we were closed. And of course, Omega Mart is about to open in a week. And then, you know, we also have Denver. So uh, all of the artists have been keeping super busy during this time. Yes, I've been uh, looking forward to hearing more about Omega Mart. Uh, is there anything you can tell our audience without revealing too much? Uh, for Omega Mart, what, what can I tell? Let's say that it is a grocery store experience <laughs> in Las Vegas. Um, you know, it's one of those, it's at a Meow Wolf exhibition that of course gives you that familiar entry point kind of like you know in santa fe we have the house of returnal return uh so omega mart is a grocery store i feel like you know with meow wolf we always have those familiar entry points where everybody um in the world can kind of relate to like everybody has walked into a house or to a, a shopping, like a, like a grocery store or a farmer's market or something to buy food. And then as soon as you're in there, we just uh, turn all of your expectations upside down. Uh, so there's there's a bit of absurdism so that, you know, you, you know, as, an, as adults, you know, as, as you get older and as years go on, you, you have this certain amount of, um, you know, you're expecting meaning or you're developing meaning with a lot of different things. Um, so the absurdism <laughs> that we usually slap people with is is something that um, helps to bring your guard down so that you can explore new meaning like very easily. So you have that nice familiar entry point. So you're already comfortable. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay. I don't know what to expect with this. So I'm just gonna go with the flow. Um, <laughs> so that's what, that's what um, Omega Mart is, is that it's a it's a grocery store where you don't exactly know what they have in store for you. That is a very interesting concept. And like you were saying with House of Return Return, it's similar in that aspect that you're walking in expecting one thing and then you're getting something completely different. Right. Okay. That's very interesting. It's a very cool concept and I cannot wait to experience it for myself. Yeah, I mean, if you, I don't know if you've been to the House of Eternal Return, but you walk in, uh, so you, you get there to the exhibition, there's no map, nobody gets a map, it's not like an amusement park where it's like, go here to experience this. So you go there, you don't know what you're, what to expect, you go there, and then there's this house, you walk in, and you're like, okay, it's a house. And then you see people walking into fridges, and into the fridge in the kitchen, or crawling through the fireplace, so immediately... You're just like, <laughs> you're just like okay, not what I was expecting. I'm gonna go with this. <laughs> so you you start your journey, and and there's always multiple routes that you can take within any of our um, exhibitions or, or any of our experiences, which is the cool thing because there's always just that pivot point of like, okay, what decision decision am I gonna make? And we always make sure that you are rewarded no matter what decision you make. 
<laughs> no matter what path you choose to go down, you it's going to be fun. Wow. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. And to answer your earlier question, I have not been to the House of Return and Return. I'm over in New York uh -huh. on the complete opposite side of America. I've always wanted to go. And I've watched at least 100 different videos by different vloggers on how they're just flabbergasted by your experience. And every time I rewatch the video just to get a new detail, I'm just, my jaw drops every time. It, it's just, it's such a fun experience. Like I've taken people in there and like some people have gone in and they're more from the museum side of things. And they're like, oh, well, where, what artist made this thing? I where's their, their credit or their label or their, it's like, no, it's just a merging of like hundreds of artists all at once. And you don't get to, <laughs> there's not a, oh, here's this one piece made by so-and-so or that, no, it's like all these multiple narratives from hundreds of artists just coming to the surface for you to experience all at once. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> and oftentimes, uh, like for example, at the House of Eternal Return, I'll go there with a group and just we you end up splitting up you just it, it that, that's just what happens as soon as you walk in and it's just like it almost mirrors real life right like <laughs> somebody's choosing the fridge somebody's choosing the forest somebody's choosing the the fireplace and it's like see you later guys but then at the end of the the visit you're able to like sit down and talk about what you experienced and people think what you went through was cool. And then they share what, what they thought about the exhibition in some rooms that you might may not have seen. And it is pretty cool. It, it mirrors life a little bit in that way that you all go on your own path and then come back and, and chat about it. <laughs> yes, it's definitely an interesting conversation piece to say the least. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the House of Return Return, I've noticed that there is an ongoing storyline but I do have a hard time keeping up with that. Is there anything you can explain in regards to the storyline and sort of confirm my, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, what word am I looking for here? Um, <laughs> my theory, thank you, God. Thank you, brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the storyline for House of Eternal Return, it's, it's pretty interesting because you know, depending on the type of adventure seeker you are, you're going to walk away with a with a different type of experience or, or piece of the story. And it's not a linear experience. Um, but, you know, you walk in and I think that everyone gathers that this is a family's home. You see their family pictures around and then you, you see some video evidence and some papers and things around. But you notice that, of course, they they are not there anymore. They they have vanished. So if you go on this journey of this nonlinear journey of trying to figure out what happened, why are they missing? Is there and is somebody is there somebody that they're seeking? Um, so yeah, it's I don't want to reveal the story because you know we have we do still have people that are trying to dig around and solve that mystery um <laughs> but yeah it's gotcha. yeah it's a non-linear story where you're trying to discover what happened to the selig family that lived in this house those are the best types of stories they just keep you guessing and there's always that returnability so you never can get tired of it yeah um 
I have seen a couple of things that House of Eternal Return may be tied to Omega Mart in some way. Is this true? It is possible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. Any, I can see. Any, anything that's related to Meow Wolf is connected within our universe in some way. Okay. All right. Good to know. It would make a great movie. I've been thinking about that a lot. House of Eternal Return. Yes, it really would. <laughs> or a graphic novel, <laughs> something. Yeah, definitely a graphic novel or a novel or just some kind of media that you can get your hands on. Yeah. Um, going back to an earlier point, you said it wasn't much like a amusement park, but you do have experience in amusement parks, don't you? You were a Walt Disney Imagineer. Yes, I was. Right before coming to Meow Wolf. I'm sorry? What was that like? Oh, that was amazing. Um, I worked with Imagineering in the Optical Illusions Department. And so that means that for the rides, uh, my team worked with the creative directors um, to bring optical illusions to life within the rides. So, you know, if we're trying to create real world Star Wars or, um, you know, any anything from the Disney franchise usually required some sort of optical illusion or special effects that were repeatable for a ride. Um, so that's what I worked on was, was creating optical illusions for the theme park rides. Very interesting. Uh, a list of some of your uh, main attractions here include Disney California Adventures Soaring, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Rise of the Resistance, California and Florida. And it also lists Avengers Campus, which has not yet opened. Yeah, it has not yet opened. <laughs> so I can't talk about it. <laughs> I would not expect you to talk about it. I'm actually waiting for the surprise. But you can count on <laughs> as a future. You can count on some cutting edge technology and things you've never seen before. <laughs> very much looking forward to it on my next vacation. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, what drew you to the area of optical illusions and special effects like that? Oh, man, I, I really just love the overlap between science and art. I've always loved that. And I like being able to bring that moment to people where they don't know what they're seeing. And it just sparks their imagination. And they're trying to figure out how it was done or like, you know, you have that moment where it's like, that was real, right? It's just, I like providing that, that just moment of awe for people um, in their lives where they just, it sparked their, sparks their imagination and they're trying to like, just figure out how, how, how it was done. Yeah, that's always a, a brain teaser. Yeah. Um, how, uh, what first got you interested in this area of um, entertainment? In like, just, what was just like idea? special effects in general? Yeah, what, uh, what was that switch that really turned you onto it? Hmm, I would say it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a jagged little path. Um, but I, I would say that it started back when I was in my senior year of college and I was working with a friend on his, his final thesis project. And it was a, a film that took place in purgatory and we wanted to have flame effects. 
and we couldn't, we just couldn't pull it off because we couldn't figure out how to get the right permits and there was a tight deadline and all like that. The film came out great, but we weren't able to have any flame effects. And so that kind of set me on course for figuring out how I could become a licensed pyrotechnician and you know be able to get permits for um, films and live events and things like that. And so when I graduated college, I went back home to Maryland and, and worked with a company called Image Engineering. And they do um, fire, fireworks, laser shows, cryogenic effects, all those kinds of things for live entertainment and sporting events and you name it, they, they will do some special effects for you. So I, I ended up apprenticing with them and through me wanting to become a pyrotechnician, um, I started doing video mapping with, with image engineering and um, and laser shows. So I would say that when they showed me a laser show for the first time, I was like really blown away. And that started me on the path of becoming a, a special effects designer and technician. That's absolutely incredible. If I had led that life, I definitely would have been on your path as well. It sounds very it's, It really is. I mean, like, I don't know how many people in the world have seen a laser show, but just to, like, see that solid beam of light, like, it looks like you can touch it. And I was just blown away when they did a demo laser show for me. And then, you know, eventually I got to program my own. And just seeing an audience react to fireworks and lasers and, like, video mapping happening in front of them all at the same time, and, you know, I just looking out at the crowd and seeing their reaction, like, I was like, that's it. That's that's what I want to do for people. Like, it is such a joyous occasion. Like, you don't get to see fireworks every day. You don't get to see lasers every day. So I wanted to make a life out of showing people things they don't see every day. Yeah, it's definitely, like, something out of a sci-fi <laughs> movie with the whole laser. Um, and you, you said... Uh, pyrotechnics and also on your uh career list it says here that you did kevin hart's let me explain yes. tour <laughs> and a lot of that included a lot of fire effects and just yes it did. a whole lot of visual effects what was that like oh my god how difficult was it was that? so much fun working with kevin hart he is the most hard-working person i know uh, and he's super funny He's like he is on stage, like in real life, like he's just a super fun person to be around. Very nice. Um, but I, I met him for the first gig we did. It was somewhere in Virginia. And he told me his concept where, um, you know, whenever he got a good laugh out of a joke, he would have me set off flame effects. And I was just like, what? And I was like, that's like genius. Like, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, so we had started off with um, two flame effects um, that would be like set off for those jokes. And it would happen probably like, three or four times throughout the show. It would also happen like during the opening of the show and the, the finale, like the end of the show. Um, but it was like uh, always live, like, you know, no, no audience is the same. So I was always there on standby, ready to fire off the flames, depending on how the audience was laughing. And if Kevin, Kevin gave me the go ahead. <laughs> um, so that was, that was pretty, that was a fun gig. And it started off, like I said, with just the, uh, the two flames, like one on each side of him uh, when he got a good joke. But I was like, hey, Kevin, like, yeah, we should have, add more flames. He was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, <laughs> I was like, instead of two flames going off, how about we do six? He's like, yeah. <laughs> So that was just like the more flames the better. Yeah, that was like that was just like a great moment. So um 
Yeah, it, the tour started off in, in some smaller theaters and then it moved on to some arenas halfway through the year. So that's when we boosted the, the pyro effect to, to six flames and added lasers to the introduction. And like, he was just talking about how he wanted to be a comedic rock star. I was like, okay, we're doing it. Like, <laughs> we're gonna have your name in lasers. We're gonna have a heartbeat in laser graphics as you're like going on the stage. We're gonna have six flame effects. And he was feeling it. He, he loved it. It was it was a super fun show to do. We, I was on that for about a year. Wow, a whole year. That must have been an incredible experience to go from United States to Europe just to set off all those flames and those optical illusions. That is incredible. It's a fun time. Yeah, I, I try to go for the fun jobs. <laughs> and it seems like you do a really good job <laughs> with that. Um, in terms of uh, pyrotechnics and optical illusions, how have you contributed to uh, Meow Wolf? What have you been able to bring to the House of Eternal Return and Omega Mark? Um, for the House of Eternal Return, so, so as you know, I started uh, kind of just just before uh, we were hit with COVID. So the house ended up being closed down by the time I started working on it. And I was put um, in the role of seeing what kind of upgrades we could add to make it COVID friendly, uh, make people feel safe, but not um, take away that, let's call it Meow Wolf magic. Like it still had to um, be an experience where everyone had that, um, feeling of a sense of agency over their journey through the exhibition. So we couldn't just, you know, put arrows everywhere, put blockers everywhere, or like, you know, just put regular old hand sanitizer units everywhere. So every every change that we made um, to the exhibition was uh, really well thought out to make sure that it doesn't, um, you know, take you out of the experience when you're in there. So like even our, our hand sanitizer units are custom sculpted by artists. And like, so in the forest, there's one that's mushrooms and it looks like you're like getting oozy mushroom juice like onto your hand <laughs> to clean your hand. <laughs> like obviously like, you know, you know that it is a hand sanitizer unit, but it we are still keeping you in the moment and, and sparking your imagination by dressing it and sculpting it in a way that it's still fun. And you're not just like, oh, that's there because of COVID. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I did for like about the first six months was making sure that, you know, when we're able to open that we can do so safely and, and it's still a very fun time for guests. Um, and now I am on to designing some stuff for the five year anniversary and, and some other artist room upgrades. So yeah, just, just keeping it moving, doing a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Nice. That's that is incredible. Uh, five years though, five yeah. year anniversary. It's it's <laughs> Are you guys doing anything special for the five years? We are. I can't say anything about it yet, <laughs> but yes, in March we will do some some things for the local crowd here. Uh, but we're, we're going to make it last all summer, and we'll we'll be definitely putting some things on social awesome. media. <laughs> oh, well, I'm looking forward to that as well. Wow, a whole summer yeah. celebration. That's awesome. Uh, you talked about a Denver location okay. earlier. Um, we've got a lot of the Santa Fe and the Las Vegas location, but not a whole lot of updates in terms of Denver. Is there anything you can say about Denver? Um, I don't think there is. Uh, I'm like, tr I'm trying to think of what was released for Denver. I, I feel like there's just been photos released, but nothing really about 
are the experience. So I don't think I can say anything about Denver quite yet. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Because like you said, there have been a few images released of this huge stained glass, wacky looking cathedral <laughs> uh, and the actual building yes. itself uh, under the, the, the Denver yeah. highway. It's a, it's a weirdly structured building. It looks like it is smaller than it should be, but I know that you guys know how to utilize space. Oh yeah, so. it has many levels to it. It's pretty massive. I call it the cheesecake slice. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, right there, it's a wedge in the middle. <laughs> you, now that you say that, it definitely looks like a slice of cheesecake. <laughs> what do you enjoy the most about your new job? Um. I enjoy the uh, creative freedom that we have around the narrative. Um, I just, I really like that Meow Wolf brings so many different artists' voices um, to the table and allows them to bring their vision all the way through from, from concept through fruition. And it's not, um, like, we're, they're pretty fluid about that. Like, it, it's, it, they, I think they were calling it radical inclusion. Like basically if there's an idea that you're super excited about and you're you're ready to carry it through from concept to through fruition, like you get the go ahead, you know? Like all, all the projects are tied to what I call an, is a, a North Star, like so it's cohesive, but you know, we, Meow Wolf tries to give a lot of people that just that creative freedom to create something that they are excited about. And I think that that's just, that's super powerful. Yeah, not a lot of art installations do that. You guys are pretty unique yeah. in that sense. How loosely um, willing you are to just let artists have their go ahead. It's definitely an inspiring, um, an inspiring thing because most of society today will instantly shut you down because if you have some, some too ambitious idea, they're like, no, you got to rethink this. But you guys are just like, be as crazy as you want. Exactly. Go for it. But also sort of, staying grounded at the same time it's it's wonderful it's nothing like i've ever seen before and i really hope that more places do what you yeah do. it's and it's such a fun time like you don't even like when you go to a meow of experience nobody has to tell you like oh like hundreds of artists worked on this like you can just you can feel it you can tell you can see it like you can see you can see that so more than one voice or more than one person is being allowed to contribute to the creative vision. It's not like, you know, an interior design place that's like, or, or, or installed, it's like neatly put together and, you know, it has one style. So it's it's really great in that way that you can, nobody has to tell you that hundreds of people worked on it. Like you can see that. <laughs> right. What was your first experience at Mal uh, Meow Wolf like when you first walked in there as a guest, not as an employee, but as a guest? What was it like for you going through your life? <laughs> it was so crazy because, of course, I came there and, you know, as a guest, you're expecting to get a map and be told, like, how do, how's the best way to experience this thing I'm about to do? And, of course, it's really just like, no, nope, no map. See you later. Like, go do your thing. Go in there. And so I went in and, of course, I was just caught off guard by people going in the fridge and through the um, fireplace. And for me, in my mind, it, I felt like a computer, like an internet browser that had like four tabs open at the same time, or like more than four tabs open, because I was always seeing like 
four different routes that I wanted to take and I had to choose the best one because I was figuring I wasn't going to remember how to get back to the other interesting thing I saw. So I was just constantly like, wait, what was that other interesting thing that I saw that I want to do after this other thing that I'm doing right now? And <laughs> it was just, it was exhilarating. Yeah, I I was just constantly like, okay, did I cover all my bases? I think I stayed there for three hours. Um, and that and that was without me even like really diving into the narrative bits, like, you know, sitting at the table, reading through evidence and things like that. <laughs> that was just me interacting with art and making my rounds and trying to make sure I saw everything. <laughs> right. If you had to pick out of any of the areas within the house of return and return, what is your favorite? Ooh. <laughs> Let me think. Yeah, there's so there's so many. That's that's like asking somebody what's their favorite movie. Give me a moment. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an easy one for some, and then others you have to like really think about it. Like me, right off the bat, favorite movie back nice. in the future. But some people <laughs> that I've met. Nice. <laughs> um. I, I, I will let me just go with the laser harp room um, because the way that that's set up, it's the laser harp is kind of under the spotlight and people get to interact with it and make music. Um, but there's also these benches kind of off in the corners of the room that are not under spotlight. So you're kind of just in the dark and you get to just watch people interact with the laser. So you take your turn and, and you play the laser harp, but then, <clears throat> excuse me, um, then you just notice like, oh, there's like some chilling benches over here and you get to just watch people make music and enjoy themselves. It's pretty fun. That is a very cool experience. Yeah. Laser harp. would love to know how that works. But there's an experience near here in Rochester, New York that has something similar. It's called the Strong National Museum of Play, but it's definitely on a smaller scale as compared yeah. to you guys. But yeah, that, that's a really cool yeah, piece. Cool. That I don't even—I don't think I remember hearing about the laser harp. Now that I think about yeah. it, there's so much more. Than oh, it's, it's really cool. I mean, if you can imagine, it's a super dark room, pretty hazy, so that you can see the lasers, and they're all um, vertical, so that you can run your hands through it um, and and make some music interactively with with the laser just by touching your hand to light. <laughs> that is yeah. amazing. <laughs> um, in terms of Omega Mart, without spoiling anything, because uh, I'm I'm 99% sure that you guys are like ready to open and that you're just adding last touches, but um, what was what was going through your head then? What, uh, as a, not as an employee, but as a guest again. What were your first initial thoughts without revealing anything about the attractions? Oh, big secret. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I did not be allowed to make it. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know that makes sense? You're, you're out in Santa, Santa Fe, Fe yes. Okay. That makes a lot of sense now that I put the pieces <laughs> together. <laughs> I feel like it um, Moving on. Um. <laughs> This is a question I like to ask all my guests on the show because this is Nerds Incorporated. We talk about all things geek and nerdy. 
What are you a nerd for? Oh man, I'm a nerd for anything related to photonics and the art of photon wrangling. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm just a nerd for telescopes, uh, lasers, pyrotechnics, anything like that, and horror films. I love horror films. Um, what else am I a nerd for? I'm a nerd. You, you and I are going to get along just fine. Oh my gosh, my favorite horror film is Dolls. It's from like the 80s, but like it's the best for me. I don't know if you've seen it. It's from like 1987, but I like most kids would watch like Fern Gully on repeat growing up or like Lion King. I was watching Dolls on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to be sorry or that's awesome. <laughs> I was having a good time. <laughs> Well, I guess yes. that's all that really matters. <laughs> so, when did you first watch dolls? that? Um, I must have been like six. I don't know. I was a little kid, but I was just like, oh, that's this is neat. Like, it's kind of scary, but like, not really. It's more cool than it is scary. <laughs> you definitely thought about it from a oh, filmmaker's yeah. point of view. That, that I thought about it from totally like the special <laughs> effects point of view. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you were going to continue your list of what else you're a nerd for. Oh, so, no, my apologies fine. for interrupting. Um, I'm a nerd for learning about new things. So, like, right now I'm learning how to crochet. So, I'm a nerd for getting all the right tools for that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, any I, I always try to – I'm always, like, learning new things. Um, right now I'm in a class for algae cultivation. So, I'm, and I'm just at the beginning, so I can't really tell you much about it, but I am, it's super interesting <laughs> so far. I'm like two classes in, uh, okay. so that's pretty cool. The ways in which algae can be used for fuel or makeup and things like that. Um, what else? Just everything. I'm a nerd for everything. I like learning more about life and things around me. <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> relatable. <laughs> What about you? I want to know what you're a nerd well, for. Oh, what I'm a nerd for? No, oh, I'm getting one question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, well, I am also a nerd for horror. I've had a very weird obsession with horror. Like, when I was younger, I always got scared by it. But now that I, as like, as the years go on, you get more intrigued. Like, the, the hands start slowly coming off your eyes. You, like, peek through your fingers. Like, yeah. wait, what is that? Like, I'm interested in being a filmmaker myself. I've, wa I've made short films and fan films at home nice. here with my family <laughs> and friends. So horror has always been a genre I've wanted to dip my feet into and just get messy with it. Because the messier the horror film, the better. Like, I get slashers, but, like... If it's a mix of a slasher and like something really intelligent, that's the perfect horror yeah. movie for me. Like, um, what am I thinking? Evil Dead. I know it's supposed to be slapstick, funny, and just gory in general, but Sam Raimi did a beautiful Holy. job with that film. Um, what else? I am a nerd for time travel mm -hmm. media. Uh, like I said before, uh, Back to the Future is my favorite yes. film of all time. Um, I'm into that. Bill and Ted, um, Doctor Who has been a lifelong obsession of mine. Uh, <laughs> what else? Uh, Marvel, DC, just comic book stuff in general. Mm -hmm. And 
old just all stuff. of it all old 80s stuff <laughs> i'm obsessed with 80s pop culture like the music the fashion the movies the tv shows how people lived how people yeah. talked what they did it's like the my idea of a fun time is going to an old quarter machine arcade and we just do have an it. arcade at the house of eternal return you should come see it <laughs> <laughs> oh god yes well that's just another reason to yeah. pack my bags oh, god, i wish i could just do that but no tied down by college shame <laughs> thank you for thank you very much for appearing on the show i really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and just chat about meow wolf and of your course, career as a whole of course i had a fun time thank you for inviting me yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Is there anything else you want to say to the audience before mm, heading off? What, ooh, what would I want to say to the audience? Do, do you, I would say you can. I would, I would say dig deeper people. into your curiosities. If you are curious about something, explore it a little deeper. That's it. I'd say that's it. <laughs> And come visit Meow Wolf. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Next when week, does Omega Mart open? <laughs> yeah. Next Thursday. All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Go to the website, meowwolf.com, to get your tickets for opening day if you're able to. And definitely go check out Meow Wolf House of Eternal Return in Santa Fe. You're in for a good time. All right. Thank you very much, Janelle, for. Uh, yeah letting me interview you that was super fun i'm glad that my first podcast was a fun time <laughs> well i'm glad that it was a pleasant time because you were my first <laughs> awesome, big guest <laughs> awesome awesome please yeah keep feel free to keep in touch too if you have any questions or need any other info in the future yeah definitely cool. I'd love all to right bye dominic you. Honestly, I cannot wait for her to come back in a future episode because I really want to talk about Meow Wolf's fifth anniversary with her and see what they're doing for their big summer celebration. Before going any deeper into the episode, let's take a moment to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Since this is a Valentine's Day-themed episode, I really wanted to take a moment to talk about something that's kind of important to me and to who I am as a person. Love. <sighs> We can sort of consider this like Nerdings Education Corner because there's some fact to this. But there's a question that's been on everyone's mind for the longest time, probably since humans have been able to think and feel this sort of feeling. What is love? What is love? Many people have tried to define it, but you can't exactly apply a singular definition to it. In terms of science, love is all about the brain, which in turn makes the rest of your body go absolutely bonkers. According to a team of scientists led by Dr. Helen Fisher at Rutgers, lo romantic love can be broken down into three categories. Lust, attraction, and attachment. I have certainly been attracted to and attached to someone, and we're not going to get into lust right now. But those more in touch with their emotions tend to chalk it up to it like a, like a spiritual bond. Soulmates, as one would call it. Love means to be deeply committed and connected to someone or something. At least that's what it means to me. The basic meaning of love is to feel more than liking towards someone. It's a bond that two people share. One of our more recent guest speakers, Lexi, is actually my girlfriend. Her and I share a very close bond with one another. 
Another. Yep. I am so good with words. <laughs> another. One another. It doesn't just feel like love. It feels like a really close friendship. We bond over our obsessions with weird YouTubers, spooky stuff, Marvel movies, and anime, and so many other things. It feels like we've known each other longer than just a year. I've been in relationships before, and I'm not going to dive into that, but none of them have felt the same as this one. There's something real here. I didn't mean to start having some existential moment on the show, but I'd like to think our bond is just more than chemicals. I know that attraction is chemical-based sometimes, but the love her and I share is... I feel so much more. So, to Lexi, I love you very much. Happy Valentine's Day. To my family and friends, I love you all dearly, too. As much as this is a corporate holiday, I'd just like to say Happy Valentine's Day. And even to my listeners, I'm very grateful for you all as well. Now enough with the mushy-gushy stuff. Let's talk about one of the most talked-about shows this of this year. WandaVision. And to help me is an, a member of the original Nerds Incorporated podcast when we had our days on SoundCloud, Trevor Adams. Ladies and welcome back to the podcast from the original Nerds Incorporated, my friend Trevor. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great after watching that episode six of WandaVision, and holy crap, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, it, things really are picking up in the show. Um, I know we didn't get to talk about the first three episodes, but I felt like those were a little bit slower paced, but now we're getting into like the really good uh, developments of the show. Oh, yeah, definitely. So we can just go by episode by episode, starting with episode four. Um, we finally get a peek into the outside of the anomaly of Westview, and we get to see S.W.O.R.D. in action. Uh, what did you think of all that? Really uh, different than the first three. Again, like that was uh, more of a Marvel movie to me. And it was really cool to see S.W.O.R.D., which is now the kind of new shield take over operations of superhero business. Um, yeah. Yes, they are kind of the new shield. Did shield disband? I think so. Yeah. I mean, after Hydra took it over, I'm pretty sure shield just ended. And then I'm not sure. Do you know if sword was founded by, I know it was founded by Monica Rambeau, but do you think it was partially like founded by Nick? I thought Monica Rambeau's mother founded it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yep. Maria, right? Maria? Yeah, Maria. Okay. So. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of felt like Nick Fury, you know, at the end of um, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, he's kind of running the show for that organization, but in space. I'm not sure if it's S.W.O.R.D. as well. but Yeah, with all those scrolls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Um. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot with episode four. It was pretty much just going through all three of the first episodes, but from an outsider's point of view, mm -hmm. and with some extra details. Episode five is when we really get some uh, new storylines and some new mysteries to add to the list, like the fact that Quicksilver showed up, but not the Quicksilver we know from MCU, the Quicksilver from the Fox universe. Yes, yeah. But going back to um, episode four, 
I also want to mention that introducing and getting to know our uh, characters and some returning characters was fascinating um, with Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, who's now like leading the charge for the FBI on these investigations. And the missing person, who we still don't know, uh, was who was that? But um, yeah, then we have Monica Rambeau, who seems like now, uh, spoilers, by the way, uh, she'll have powers. And then uh, Darcy from Thor, from the Thor films. So that's a really fun team. I'd love to see them in future projects together, too. Oh, definitely. I heard that at Marvel, they pitched a X-Files-like show for Jimmy Woo to go and investigate superhero-like stuff. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. What would you think I'd watch that kind of show? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Definitely. I would love to watch that. But um, there, there's an ongoing uh, little thing I keep noticing popping up in the episodes with Monica and Carol Danvers. Why do you think she's so hesitant towards the name Carol Danvers? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm sure that they would explain that in maybe Captain Marvel 2 because it seems like her little kid self back in the 90s you know looked up to captain marvel so i'm not sure maybe she just had to leave and like doing space superhero stuff and she was left alone i'm not sure that would make sense so we can just like chalk it up to like some superhero abandonment issues (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i don't know it could be something deeper though We'll, we'll have to i don't know if it'll be answered in this show though definitely uh, there's another character I want to talk about, Agnes. What do you think's going on with her? Because at times she seems like she's just another resident taken over, but at other times she seems like she knows what's going on. Yeah, that's... I don't know if they're trying to, like, make the audience kind of, you know, think that maybe she's one of them, but I'm not sure. Like, we've... Uh, All the rumors and theories are that, you know, Mephesto and Agnes as Agnetha uh, Harkness and all that, like, they're all bad guys. But then they do that. And like today's episode um, for the Halloween episode where she's in the car, Vision has to wake her up out of whatever was going on. But she also seemed to be more awake than... Um, some of the other characters that Vision has interacted with, even before he does the like mind control thing. Yeah, I don't know. I you know, I still think she's a bad guy, and um, it's kind of pointing to that, you know. Because and uh, who was it? Vision's coworker. Um, yeah, Norm. He you know said she's controlling this she's doing all this and we don't know if that's wanda or agatha yeah that's definitely true uh do you genuinely think that mephisto is going to pop up somewhere in the future episodes or do you think that it's all just a bunch of red herrings marvel's putting out you know after like as we get closer and closer to the finale i kind of feel like it'll be agatha who's maybe taking on some qualities of the comic book version of Mephesto. Uh, Another interesting thing that I, you know, I know Marvel likes to do one word things like Endgame, how they mentioned the word Endgame in several Avengers movies, and then it ended up being the title. In today's episode, they say Nightmare in it. 
And I don't know if that has anything to do with anything like the villain doctor in uh, Doctor Strange. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. What did, what are your thoughts? I actually didn't catch the, the nightmare thing. Where in the episode did you hear that? It was like the first half. I, I didn't remember the exact time of it, but they talk about or maybe even vision or no, it may have been actually the trio of uh, sword say something about a nightmare. Um, I'll have to rewatch it though. And I encourage everyone to rewatch it if you're watching the show, because I'm pretty sure they say that. And, you know, it could mean nothing though. It could just mean that they're in the trance or whatever. And um, yeah, but I, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to rewatch this episode only because, you know, uh, they've got some, I've got some new characters growing on me. I'm a huge fan of the kids and mm. the fact that they have Evan Peters as Quicksilver, whom I'm not sure is Quicksilver, but part of me still believes. No, wait, you know what? No, no, no. We st- we have proof that this guy might actually be Quicksilver because towards the end of the episode when they're sitting on those hay bales in Town Square, and uh, Wanda looks over at him and he's like riddled with bullets and his eyes are gray. Yeah. It was sort of the same thing with Vision early on in like episode four, episode three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's right. That, that, that might be some solid proof that this is the the Quicksilver that we know. But my my question is, what's with the why change? Why? Uh, why change? Uh Aaron Taylor Davis to Evan Peters. I think, you know, while they had some interviews after the big, um, you know, reveal of uh, last week's episode, and that was kind of the the big thing besides the kids growing up and um, they're able to age themselves. I don't know if they're able to age back once they're adults, but we'll get to that. Um, But yeah, I think so based off of the interview with the creators of WandaVision, They said that they wanted to do something with the X-Men characters since they now own them and to put characters from other, I guess we'll call them properties because it's the Fox mutant property had to make sense. So, you know, I, I also am with you that this is still the X-Men Quicksilver, but after then today's episode where the bullets kind of match Quicksilver from age of Ultron, I wonder if it's kind of like the Wonder Woman. I don't know if you saw Wonder Woman 1984, um, but like Steve Trevor uh, takes like the uh, for Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman's character. She sees Steve Trevor, but it's this other guy. So I'm wondering if it's kind of like that um, or maybe the Fox mm. Quicksilver that is brought over actually died, too. I don't know. Did something happen in uh, X-Men uh, Dark Phoenix to Quicksilver? Was he in that movie? Yeah, he was. I never ended up watching that movie. Yeah, I, I had to sit through that just because I wanted to see the X-Men, you know, finally fade out. But um, not much happened in that movie. But yeah, Quicksilver does, I think, get some shrapnel of like wood because they destroy this house or something. And I, I think he's out for the rest of the movie kind of a cheap way to kick him out of the show but um yeah so he didn't die though everyone was still alive but then you know based off of days of future past he's not in that as an adult which is kind of interesting 
Right. He's still a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a lot to think about. It's it just, is. It's. And you'd think that we'd get a lot more answers than more mysteries, but then as soon as the sixth episode comes out, it's just oh, we have like a whole new set of them. Yeah. And now we have to wait for episode seven, eight, nine, which is supposed to be the payoff. So hopefully, episode seven actually answers some of the questions that we have. Yes, I'm hoping it does. And Vision, the actor Paul Bettany, says that it turns into a full Marvel movie, and. Yeah, and then we have to have these Quicksilver questions answered because if he just disappears and they're done using the character because they claim he's the holiday special cameo, but I'm sure he'll be in it for the rest of the show. How is he one, the X-Men version, or is he some sort of mixed version um, that, you know, MCU wants to create for the future of the Marvel movies, you know? Because he's a big actor, and so was the original one. Um, I'm also Mm kind of thinking that uh, they'll have the original Quicksilver cameo, too. But that may not happen. Yeah, you will. Knowing Marvel, anything is really possible at this point. Especially after Endgame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Kevin Feige said that the multiverse was going to be a prevailing um, theme throughout the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. Um, That's sort of driving me to believe that this is the Quicksilver from the Fox universe, like permanently, like this, that they pulled him Mm -hmm. from that universe. But also Quicksilver had a line of dialogue towards the end of this episode that said uh, one minute I'm, shot like a pig in the streets and the next you called me mm-hmm. so that that that's only a memory that Aaron Taylor Davis's Quicksilver would have yeah so do you think from pulling him from another universe it gave him the memories of his or her dead brother that's yeah that's what I'm thinking because in um and I haven't seen Wonder Woman I've just pretty much heard the whole thing and watched the clips online but steve trevor <laughs> uh his whole mind and persona is visible for wonder woman after she makes the wish but it's this other guy so if they're also doing the zombie thing that's what she probably remembers her brother looking like because he was dead and then um now this Quicksilver, the X-Men Fox Quicksilver is pulled from the other reality, but yeah, it may just be what she's seeing. Like, what if they, you know, are able to stop this Hex? Is he going to disappear again, or is he going to be stuck here? Is he going to look like um, uh, Aaron's character of Quicksilver? I don't know. Like, I honestly want them to have the X-Men look with that silver jacket. Oh my god, that thing was so cool. Yeah, I loved the costumes. Like, today's episode, the uh, outfits that everyone wore, which were comic book accurate ones, uh, were great. Yeah. Yeah. I love how they managed to, like, sneak them in without, like, directly saying, oh, these are our superhero looks. Like, she said she was, like, a Sokovian fortune teller. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. That that was a really cool way. Yeah. I, I don't think I caught what Vision was supposed to be. A Mexican wrestler? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's what they call them. So that's that's weird. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like that comparison, but yeah, he definitely looked like. Oh, yeah, it was weird because then they had the Mind Stone at the top of his costume. Mm. Why would they add that if he was a Mexican? I don't know. I don't know. That's, it's it's still... That might just be like the the thing that he would tell other people if he ran into them. Or, you know, they're trying to keep up the illusion, but at the same time, not at all, because Wanda just is using her powers. Um, you know, she knocks out Quicksilver, and then uh, she freezes everyone. And it seems like no one noticed that. What was that? Yeah. It seemed like no one noticed the fact that she just pushed her brother aside with like a huge wave of energy. Yeah. And she keeps claiming that she's not in control. And then she's able to freeze everybody and do her powers and all that right in front of them. So definitely makes you wonder if she made a deal with the devil. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did either Agnes or, um, Mephisto, or just a combination of those two and Nightmare, because you're right, they are tying this into Doctor Strange and uh, then Spider-Man. And yesterday night, a whole bunch of more reliable sources and leakers officially confirmed Tobey Maguire. Um, I don't know. Again, these aren't official websites doing it, but I kind of trust them. So. Yeah. And even Tom Holland denied the fact that they were going to be in the movie. Like, he's such a bad liar. (laughs) Yeah, after years of spoiling uh, all the other movies, like, yeah, would he could just be, he probably contractually has to say they're not in it, you know? Yeah, he's definitely kidding. He's like, oh, they're totally not in the movie. (laughs) What? Who told you that? Yeah. And then there's supposed to be another big cameo in WandaVision. Like a Luke Skywalker level cameo. Yeah. And I don't think it was Quicksilver. No, I definitely don't think it's Quicksilver. Because as, as big as that character is, mm. I firmly believe that it's going to be someone else. Yeah. And I partially have my heart set on either one of the X-Men or or um, what was the or Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Okay. You don't think uh, Doctor Strange or Ultron would show up in it? Yeah, but the, the thing is, is that um, in interviews, they both said it was an actor they really want to work with. And I'm pretty sure Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have worked with Benedict Cumberbatch already. Mm-hmm. And it, it, with all the clues that I'm... I'm starting to see put together. I have a theory that it's going to be Professor X. I think that Sir Patrick Stewart is going to show up okay. in the season finale. I mean, with this show, anything's any possible. Theory? So uh, my money's still on like Doctor Strange, but you're right. Well, I'm sure he's going to. Yeah, but you're right. They did say that it's someone they haven't worked with. And maybe they crossed uh, paths on the filming of Endgame and Infinity War, but I don't, you know, they didn't really have many scenes or any scenes together. So, but, That's but you're true. right. They, and in terms of Ultron, yeah. uh, James Spader and Paul Bettany were like probably in the same sound booth. Yeah, that's true. Recording lines. Yeah. So I, w- I 
if Ultron returns, I'll be damned. But yeah, yeah, I have my heart set on either Professor X and Doctor Strange is definitely going to appear. If not, like just him name dropped mm-hmm. at all. But I firmly believe that he'll appear. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the kids. Um, yeah, we sort of skipped over episode you, five, so you, sorry about that. <laughs> No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, they're aging. Why do you think they're aging so fast? Is that a power that they have? Or is that just for the sake of the show? I think it's both. Like, they look at each other a couple times when they're about to age. And it kind of seems like they can control that. But I don't know if they can age back and forth, you know? So. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. When I first happened, I was like, I think it's just a plot device that Wanda set up in the show so that it would save time so that like, because, you know, kids age slowly in the real world. But in terms of inside this anomaly, they can age and de-age. And it makes me wonder if any other characters can do the same. But I'm guessing only it's be- only because they're Wanda's mm-hmm. kids they have the ability to do yeah. so or it could be on un- um, partially a- another force controlling it because uh something really weird in the first couple episodes and i think it was episode three with the magic show they say for the children a lot and like it's the whole crowd yeah so i don't know if someone else wants wanda you know is feeding off wanda's powers based off of today's commercial and the children too. Holy crap! I forgot about the commercial. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was weird. I didn't understand. You seem like you understand it more. Can you explain sure. the the hidden meaning behind it? Because I didn't understand yeah. it. So it was kind of set up like a '90s, early 2000s um, claymation commercial advertising. I think it was yogurt, and it was called, I believe, Yo Magic or something, and uh, so it has a shark come up to this kid stuck on an island offering him um, the yogurt and they give it to uh, the shark gives it to the kid and then the kid can't get it open. And so it gets creepy and the kid actually starts to age and then uh, dies and becomes like a skeleton. And that was like really terrifying, kind of on the levels of uh, Vision and Quicksilver being you know, undead. So yeah. And it was definitely a weird different than all the other um, commercials that we've had in the past. Cause it's, they say like, we're feeding off of your magic or powers or something like that. And kind of leads you to believe that that kid could be either the kids or Wanda who is, you know, stuck and, is using or having their powers be used for other purposes as well. So, yeah, that okay, that makes more sense now that you explained it. Because at first it was just like, this is weird. This is unsettling. Yeah. Like that was on the level of like a horror yeah. movie, sort of unsettling. And I was surprised Marvel went mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, it was definitely weird. It was. It wasn't like any of the other commercials, and you know, kind of is similar to what lots of people's fan theories are is that Wanda isn't the only one in charge of this reality 
And I also have another, I have a question yeah, for you, Dom. Do you think that Agnes killed Sparky? The dog. Oh my god, the dog. Um, she, she did say that he wandered into the bushes, but I have a feeling that the dog, but I'm not too sure because the dog wouldn't really pose any kind of threat to mm-hmm. her at all because it's just a dog. Um, but it's entirely possible that she did it on purpose. Yeah. But I don't understand. I don't know why she would do that. Like she doesn't have any motive to just mm-hmm. kill a dog, unless she's you know just sick in the head. Yeah, it was just a weird moment, and that kind of made me think. There is someone else in charge, um, and Wanda doesn't even know it. She keeps claiming that she's not in charge of what we're seeing and what Sword is seeing, and yet, you know, we're each episode we're kind of shown that she is in charge. Like she didn't all of a sudden when Vision and her are trying to figure things out at the end of episode five, boom, Quicksilver shows up, and then. He also says there's no children in the next episode. There's all these kids running around. So I don't know. You know? Yeah. Someone else listening to everything that's going on and watching. Yeah, because she said at the end of episode five, I didn't do this. I didn't make that doorbell ring. So and Marvel's trying to push us to believe that it's Wanda doing all this. And there's a lot of evidence that weighs against her, but it's definitely looking like there's an outside yeah. force. It's a really good show. You know, I as I said, I wasn't really a fan of the first three episodes. They were slow, not really a Marvel thing. I love the little, like, creepy scenes that make you realize that we're getting somewhere. But Marvel's just doing a great job. Like, we thought we were going in the direction of questions being answered. And like you said, we just got a whole ton of new questions from today's episode. It's definitely a slow burn mystery, like they said when doing interviews, like the mix of a slow burn mystery and a superhero mm-hmm. show, which I'm a fan of mysteries. But in this case, when I'm watching it and then they just cut it off, it's like, damn you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if the I'm kids are going to be aged up again, you know, like, are they going to stay the same? Because I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to survive the hex and... Uh, join the Young Avengers eventually with Kate Bishop and Kamala Khan and all that. So, yeah. Right. Because they're the only beings within the Hex to be right. born. Like, they can't die as soon as the Hex mm-hmm. goes away. Yeah. Yeah, I just realized, oh my, I just realized that Hexagon Hex. Like, yeah, magic. it was so good. How I did love I that. I love that. <laughs> like, uh, I think it was Darcy that says that. And Scarlet Witch, it was perfect. Yeah. 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 What, what do you think of the hexagon pattern? Why do you think it's a hexagon? Besides the fact that, you know, hex. But the hexagon shape also shows up in Hayward's office. Oh, okay. Yeah, I and it it shows Did up. You, no, you're right. It shows up a bunch of times, like in the background too. You know, I don't know if it's the number, right. like the devil number or whatever, because six and all that. Oh my god! Six right? Six. Yeah, I don't know. It's 
because I wouldn't put it past Marvel. Everything has a purpose. Um, and uh, you're right. It's probably beyond the wordplay. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely weird. And another thing that I thought they'd answer, you know, well, hopefully they will. Right. Yeah. And 666 was on the toaster, wasn't it? Well, it might have been. Because if you turn the image upside down, it turns into because it's a bunch mm-hmm. of nines. It looks like nines, but if you turn the image upside down, it's three sixes. Yeah. Uh, the the dark industries toaster, or the the mm-hmm. one before that. Wow, that's it's cool. Very... I did not notice that. I'm not to rewatch it. <laughs> well, it, you definitely notice more than I do because you explain the whole. Commercial oh, that's right. It's just fresh in my yeah. mind, you know. <laughs> yeah. That, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Is there anything else that we're missing? I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's lots of details and things that will, you know, people will point out and we can talk about, but I'm excited to see where it's going to go now that the, um, hex is even bigger. Are they, is sword going to call in backup? Is that when Dr. Strange could come? And now sword agents are clowns and, um, and then there's the big, Oh, yeah, there's silver a mystery you know like i hope they don't get rid of him i hope that he stays as the mcu one so. oh yeah me too definitely was there anything uh else you right. wanted to talk about uh i think that pretty much covers it um talked about the kids i talked about the past three episodes talked about the next three episodes talking about their powers talking about quicksilver i think we've covered pretty right. much yeah so i'm i'm looking forward hopefully we can do this for the the next three and uh i'm excited to see where it goes oh yeah me too man uh thank you very much for coming on the show and i uh like you said i hope we get to talk yeah. about the next thanks for three. having me of course Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much for tuning into yet another episode of Nerds Incorporated. Be sure to check in every Saturday wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, etc., 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 to check for all new episode uploads. I just want to thank all of you for taking the time out of your day to sit down, whether you're just getting out of work, getting out of school, getting out of a family reunion, and you're sick of seeing your in-laws, and you want to sit down and listen to something nerdy, I'm glad you chose this podcast. We upload every Saturday, like I said probably a billion times before. (laughs) I'd like to also thank Janelle Hostetter and my good friend Trevor for appearing on this episode and talking nerd with me, talking Meow Wolf and talking WandaVision episodes four five and six which i might say are probably my favorite group of episodes so far in the series so it's been good seeing y'all i hope you have a great weekend and happy valentine's day take care psst hey hey yeah i know you're still listening at the end of the episode did you know we have a Twitter? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you know we have a twi- uh, Twitter? We have a Twitter account. If you want to follow us on social media, you can at Nerds Inc. Pod. That is N E R D S I N C P O D. Nerds Inc. Pod. Nerds Incorporated, the podcast official 
Twitter account. Looking for a new streamer to watch on Twitch, but not sure where to look? Boy, do I have the answer for you. Check out Fox Solo Spice. F-O-X-S-P-I-C-E-S-O-L-O. That's Fox Solo Spice.